We are so happy you're joining us on our Brentwood Church podcast. To find out more about Brentwood, go to brentwoodchurch.org. During this episode, we hear a great message that we pray will lead you to a new and deeper level with Jesus Christ. So open up your Bible or Bible app and grab a notebook or simply listen along. church how we doing today awesome 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 i am so honored that i get the opportunity to uh, to open up god's word and really to see the truth that that he has for us today like brett said my name is tyler i'm the groups and development intern here at brentwood church so i work for brett he's an awesome boss he's a great guy um i just want to throw that out there maybe i'll get a bonus through that um i don't know but uh, i was uh the student ministry intern here at brentwood church for about a year and a half so i want to give uh, my collide and my, my rooted friends some shout out here so we gotta get loud all right I did that. Maybe they'll be quiet now the rest of the time and pay attention with their energy. Yeah, that's what we do at Collide. Uh, but I'm so honored that I get uh, to speak in, during this series because I think this is one of the, my, this is my favorite series I think we have ever done. Uh, I'm telling you, if you have missed week one or week two of Dual Citizens, go, go online, go to the podcast and check it out. Uh, it, it is well worth your time. It, it's an absolutely amazing first two weeks. Week one, Pastor John talked all about this idea of uh, being a dual citizen, what that means and Essentially, it means you're a citizen of both heaven and of earth if you believe and follow Jesus, right? And how do we navigate that tension? Uh, and the kind of conclusion, which kind of shapes the whole backbone of this series, is this idea of respectful relationship. That's how we manage this tension of being a dual citizen. Uh, and, but last week, I really want to just, just say something about last week because it was an amazing uh, sermon. If you were here, I think your lives were changed. It's all about how angry we should be as dual citizens. And, and Pastor John just did an amazing job uh, about really just opening up that topic that I think is so uh, prevalent, so relevant to what we're going through as a nation uh, in, in this time. But uh, I'm excited to be here today. I'm originally from uh, the D.C. area, so I live here now, a part of Brentwood Church, obviously. But I'm originally from the D.C. area, and so growing up in D.C. And, and going to church right next to Andrews Air Force Base, it's just there's like patriots everywhere, right? And I mean, I think if you grew up next to a military base, or maybe you, you are military, you grew up in military, uh, it's just when you're in an area like that, it's everywhere. And so you grow up just kind of loving America, loving this idea of freedom, loving uh, what people sacrifice. And so I have this great love and, and pride of, to be an American. And so uh, to, to speak in this series, I, I was so honored. Um, but being from that area, uh, there's a lot of things I love about America because I'm from that area. Uh, for instance, I love American history. I really do. Because uh, growing up, like, I went to church, uh, I mean, went to school on Zakiah Swamp. So if anyone's a history buff, or maybe you love Abraham Lincoln, that's where John Wilkes Booth hid out after he assassinated the president. And, and what I thought was cool, not that he killed the president, but, you know, that, like, the same dirt I'd throw at girls, like, at recess, like, I don't know, maybe he could have been sitting on. Like, that's cool to me, you know. Um, 
which of course, it was wood chips, so I don't think those were in the swamp. But, you know, like, I love that about our, our country. Another thing I love about being American, I love our pro sports system. I don't think there's a better pro sports system out there. I'm going to say it now, okay? I grew up in D.C. My brother is from Ohio, my older brother. And who doesn't want to be like their older brother growing up? So I am a diehard Cleveland Cavalier fan. I've got to say it because they ended the 52-year championship drought last week. I get up to my boy LeBron. I love sports. I love sports in America. Football, right, baseball, MLB, NHL, all that stuff. I didn't say soccer. And I, let me talk about that for a reason. I know there's a lot of soccer fans here, okay? And I know the argument of soccer's the world sport. And you're correct. I'm just going to say can, the world can keep it. And that's okay. And I, I, no, I enjoy watching USA, but I, I love uh, the, 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 uh, the national leagues we have here for our pro sports. I love, I love sports here in America. Uh, another thing that I love about our nation, and though it's flawed, I do love our political system. Even though it's not perfect, right, I really don't think there's a better system out there. I think that our system has enabled us to keep our freedoms, right, uh, for how long we've had them. And even though, yes, it's flawed, there are corrupt people, but in reality, we still have freedom of speech. I can still stand up here and, and say that Jesus Christ is Lord. I can stand up here for the next three hours and talk about LeBron James if I wanted to, right? Okay, it's not going to be three hours. I'm, okay, keep going. All right, uh, but I, I love that our freedom of speech, and I think, I think in reality, we love our freedom of speech too, and I think we love it. We love to disagree in this nation, right? And I think that's how we use our, like, if I just say even small topics like Coke or Pepsi, you know? Like, if, you know, the waitress says, Pepsi, okay, I'll just have a water. No. I, you know, okay. It's not, no, it's not the same. It's not the same, right? You know, Apple versus PC. Um, I'm an Apple fan, and I'm going to, okay, growing up, I liked pro wrestling, right? I'd say that wrestling was real all the time. And then, you know, when you realize it is fake and you kind of are enlightened, that's how I am when I got my iPhone. You know, I was like, they're not the same. Like, it's not real compared to the iPhone. I don't know. Any Apple fans out there? Maybe not. Yeah, there it is. Uh, so we love to disagree, right? Another one, like cats and dogs. Um, I, I think it's pretty obvious. Like cat people, the exit is back there. I say, I can't, I can't help you. I can't help you today with that. I'm joking. We can be friends. We just can't let anyone know we're friends. But I'm, hi, I'm, I, I'm, I'm highly allergic. Maybe that's my prejudice. You know, I, I don't know. But uh, we love to disagree about little things. But I think in, in the last couple months, we love to disagree about big things. You know, and I think that there's kind of this overwhelming kind of tension of this election year, right? Because in reality, there are some people in here who you're going to vote for Trump or you're going to vote for Hillary. So let's just settle the odds. All uh, voting for Trump, sit over here. You're voting for Hillary, sit over here. You guys aren't moving. Right? Obviously, I'm joking. But I think we, if we did that, there'd be a real tension of, well, maybe I don't agree with someone who is actually a believer and follow Jesus of who they're going to vote for. And how, in, how actually... As people that call themselves believers and followers of Jesus and are dual citizens, how do we manage this tension when we disagree about things that aren't in the Bible? I'm going to tell you, it doesn't say to vote for Hillary in the Bible, but it also doesn't say to vote for Donald Trump. So how do, what do we do if someone thinks they're right, someone thinks they're wrong? Well, I think in, in our country, uh, as Americans, as humans, uh, we allow our uh, disagreements to do two things. I think we allow it to do two things. The first one uh, is divide, right? We let our disagreements divide us. I think we see that through the history of the United States. I think we see it now with the Republican versus Democrat. You know, something that, yes, there's two parties, but we divide ourselves. We're not even one nation, you know. We divide ourselves. And the other word is uh, disrespect, disrespectful. I think that we, uh, we let our disagreements 
either we see people when they disagree with us as being disrespectful towards us, or we are being disrespectful when we disagree, right? I think that those are two things that we can, we can all sit and say together, yes, I think that's pretty true about how we disagree in this country. But what do we do when, when, when believers disagree about something that's more important than politics or culture or theology? What do you do when two believers have a fundamentally disagreement about if something is a sin or not? What do we do? In God's word, there are some things that are right, some things that are wrong, right? Murder, you know, adultery, lying, those are wrong. God's word says they're wrong. If you say afterwards, Tyler, I really think I'm going to go murder someone today. I'm going to say, well, that's wrong, you know. Maybe I'd call 911, then Brentwood Counseling. I don't know. I don't know how I'd handle that. But, you know, like, no, that, you can't tell me that that's ever going to be okay, right? Because murder's wrong. It's in the God's word. What about those issues, though, that aren't in God's word? Like, what about the issue of drinking, right? We know that it says don't get drunk, but some Christians drink alcohol. Some Christians don't. What about getting tattoos, right? We, we've seen this throughout the church for a long time. People argued if women could wear pants in church, Right? And they stake their lives on this is right. How do we manage this tension? How do we manage this tension? I want to talk, to talk to you today if you do not believe and follow Jesus Christ. You in here, you don't believe follow Jesus. Maybe you don't believe in God. Maybe it's your first time in church. Maybe it's your hundredth time in church. Uh, first, I just want to say thank you for being here. Super glad you're here. Uh, even though today's teaching is major, majority is about two believers and, and their relationship, I believe if you hold on and you pay attention, one, you may just get to laugh a little bit about, wow, they've really screwed this up if it's how they're supposed to be doing it. Uh, but I also believe if you pay attention that your life will be changed. Whether you decide to believe and follow Jesus or not, I believe that there's something in here for you that you can take away that can make your life better. 100%, I believe that. So please hold on with me. Uh, I'm telling you it's going to be, be an awesome ride. Uh, so this idea of, of these gray issues of sin, is it a sin, is it not a sin? Uh, those are, we're going to call those personal convictions, okay? A definition for conviction I have today is a firmly held belief or opinion. Now, you can have convictions about a lot of stuff, but what we're talking about today is a conviction about uh, whether something, one of these gray areas, is a sin or not. Is that, is that a sin? Th- this is the personal conviction that we're, we're talking about. And I think that this actually uh, goes for all people, not just believers, but I think that we have two extreme ways that we end up disagreeing with each other, okay? Uh, the first way is, is the my way or the highway. This is what I'm guilty of, okay? This is the type of person that if what you believe is not what I believe, then I want nothing to do with you, okay? If what I like, you don't like, I don't want to talk to you, right? You say things like, if I was only in charge, everything would be okay, right? Or if everyone thought like me, the world would be a better place. I'm so guilty of that. So the my way or the highway person. And in reality, I think it would look like it looks like you might have a lot of friends, maybe a lot of followers, uh, but I, I want to argue that because I want to say, number one, I think there may be a lot of people in your life who are afraid to disagree with you, and so they, they just don't bring it up. They're, they're afraid you're going to jump down them at their throat about something that, that you disagree with them. Uh, number two, they might not even stay your friends long because here's the reality. We all, no one can, can view things exactly the same, Right? We all come from different upbringings, different parents, different areas, right? Different things have happened to each of us. Nobody has lived the life that you have lived. So nobody's going to view the world the exact same way that you view the world. And that, that, that's obvious, right? And so, but, but us who are my, we're the highway type people, we think that people just need to stop thinking and think what we think and the world will be a better place. 
okay? Uh, that's, the, that's the first extreme. The second extreme, I would say, is go with the flow, okay? If this is you, uh, then, well, in reality, you probably have a fear of not fitting in or fear of people not liking you. And so you kind of live your life by I'm going to kind of agree with whatever kind of group I'm running with because I don't want to rock the boat. Oh, that sounds good. I'll kind of I'll go that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just kind of go and you, you mold into different things of how your life looks. And, and, and that's not good either because a life without conviction uh, is a life without consistency. A life without conviction is a life without consistency. And that goes for everything, not just a personal conviction, but just something you live your life by. And and we're going to talk about that a little bit more. And so how do we manage this tension? Do we all need to be, go with the flow? Do we all need to go uh, my way or the highway? But I would argue that God's word gives us a third option, and it is a tension to manage. And so uh, today we're going to answer this question. My freedom or my neighbor's conviction? That can go either way. My conviction or my neighbor's freedom. How do we manage this tension if I think something is a sin, but you think something's a freedom? And, and, and at the end, when we answer this question, I believe also this statement is going to be true. Okay, you don't have to be divided with someone and still live in your convictions. Okay, you don't have to be divided with someone and still live in your convictions. Now, when we're talking about this idea of my freedom versus my neighbor's conviction. What does my freedom mean? Well, in this case, my freedom means freedom in Christ, okay? So I'm going to say something to you that maybe you've heard your whole life. Maybe you've never heard it. Maybe you've kind of heard it, but you've never heard it explained, okay? Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is kind of the story of Jesus. Jesus is God's son. He came down to this earth, and he lived a perfect life and died on a cross. Why? Well, because I have sinned, you have sinned. When we sinned, we were separated from God. Okay? And it took a perfect sacrifice to then unite us back with God and to pay the price for our sin. Because our price for our sin was death, separation from God after we die. Okay, But when Christ came, when he did that, when he died on the cross and rose again, he freed us from two things, sin and death. Sin and death, right? As believers, we still sin. We're not held to our sin, though. We're free of our sin, but we sometimes like to pick up our bondage. We're also free to death, meaning... When we die, we spend eternity with God. Now, I believe, though, that Christ also freed us from a third thing. He freed us from this idea, okay, this word called religion. Okay? He freed us from the idea that what I do, what rules I follow are going to make God love me more, or is going to get me closer to God, or may even get me into heaven. Okay? Jesus Christ did not come to this world and die on a cross to give us a religion. He came to give us a relationship, church, and that's a big difference. He came to give us a relationship. And so I say that because, well, I think maybe some of you in here today, you grew up in a denomination or, or a church background or a family background where you are trying to make yourself right with God. And I want to tell you that you can't do it because Jesus has already done it for you. And all it takes is to believe and follow him. Uh, I, I felt like someone needed to hear that today. I just want to put that out there. Now, this tension that we face, do I vote for Hillary or Trump, right? Can I drink alcohol? Can I not? Can I get a tattoo? Should I not? Can I let my kids play sports on Sundays? Can women wear pants in church? These issues, how do we, how do we deal with them? Well, luckily for us, people have been screwing up the church since it began. And so we get to look at what Paul dealt with in the church uh, in Corinth, okay? So at this time, the big issue was can believers eat meat that is sacrificed to idols? 
which sounds bad, right? Meat sacrifice to idols, no, right? Well, here's what was going on. Uh, some believed it was their freedom, okay? Because they said, Christ freed me from religion. There's no, may, no, there's no longer any dietary laws. There's no longer anything that's going to hold me uh, to this. And also, I believe and follow Jesus, so I know there are no other gods, right? He is the only God, so if uh, this is going on and someone sacrificed this to a false god, it's not, it's not real. Now, some of the other people, though, would say, I was just worshiping this false god last week. Now I know Jesus, what do I do? Because here's what would happen. Families would take their uh, animal or whatever they own uh, to the local butcher slash priest. He'd cut up the animal. He'd sacrifice a little bit to whatever false god it was. And the majority of the meat would be given back to the, the family. And this is what they had to eat. Okay? And then they would invite their Jewish family, friends over, uh, who now believed and followed Jesus. And he, here they were faced with this dilemma. What do I do? Well, some of them contacted Paul uh, in any way. I don't know. I don't think they used Snapchat back then. But, you know, maybe it was uh, uh, probably a letter or a courier. And, and they kind of give, they set this up for Paul, and he addresses it in his letter, his first letter to the Corinthians. So that's what we're going to turn to today. Uh, chapter 8, verse 1. Now, regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols, yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue. Okay, so here's what Paul's saying. He's saying to those who believe it is their freedom to eat this food, hey, I get it. And you're kind of right. We have the knowledge. We understand there are no other gods. So this being sacrificed to this God means nothing. It'd be like if I went over to someone's house and they sacrificed their bacon to Porky the Pig, right? I'd be like, that's kind of weird. It doesn't exist, but yeah, I love bacon, right? Like this isn't Space Jam. He doesn't exist. Jordan can't dunk like that. Like that's not real. They're not, it's, it's not real. But so Paul's saying, we understand. We have knowledge on this issue. We understand it. But he goes on uh, in the same verse to say, but while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. It is love that strengthens the church. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's love that strengthens the church. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, I didn't pick you first, but love strengthens the church. Love strengthens the church. So here's what Paul's setting up. He's saying, we have knowledge about this issue. And, and let's understand, Paul knew his Bible, right? Paul knew his Old Testament stuff. I understand that this is your freedom. I understand it. I understand it. But love strengthens the church. Why? Well, if we drop down to verse 12, he says, And when you sin against another believer, by encouraging them to do something they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. He continues to say in verse 13, so if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again. I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. Okay, this is a big deal to Paul. This is a big deal. Why? Because, yes, we have knowledge. This is my freedom. I have every right, you know, to eat this meat. But when it comes down to it, this is something between my brother and Jesus. And I'm not going to be the one who's going to mess this up because if I cause him to sin, I'm not only sinning against him, but I'm sinning against Christ. So Paul's saying, I'm never going to do it again. Now, Paul is not telling us that we can never do something for the rest of our life if we come into contact with a believer who thinks that that is, the, who says that's their conviction and they believe that that's wrong for them. Okay? He's not saying that. That's just how Paul's going to live this out. Because Paul doesn't know if he says, if I have to choose between eating this steak or you being right with Christ, or me sinning against Christ, I'll never eat this steak again, because I don't know where you're going to be, right? I don't know who's going to see who this is going to get back to. So Paul's not telling us that we can never do this, but he's definitely saying, 
You can't do this in front of another believer. It's going to cause them to stumble. Why? Why, why does this issue matter? Why does it matter if Christ did free me from this? If I have freedom in Christ to navigate these gray, these gray areas, why does it matter if my, my brother doesn't understand? Well, what do we learn in verse 1? It's not knowledge that strengthens the church. It's love that strengthens the church. Right? We don't know where our, where our brother's been. If it's concerning alcohol, maybe their dad died of, of alcoholism. Right? Maybe they know if they have just one, it's not going to end in just one. So Paul is saying, guess what? It doesn't matter their reasoning. When it comes down to it, if they say this is a personal conviction of theirs, if it comes down to this question, is it my freedom or my neighbor's conviction, Paul says, undoubtedly, always my neighbor's conviction. Always. Always my neighbor's conviction. Why? Because we love our brothers enough to lay ourselves down. But I want to push back on this a little bit. Because I did say that I believe this is a tension. Uh, and this doesn't really seem like a tension. Instead, it seems like, well, I just, if it's my freedom, I have to lay everything down for you so you can, your walk with Christ is okay. That's what it kind of looks like. But I think if we look at 1 Corinthians 8.8, 8, it says, But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Okay. Paul is saying personal convictions are okay, right? It's between you and Christ. They're real. But understand, though, it's not a sin for everyone. He says to the Romans in chapter 14, he says, verse 3, Those who feel free to eat anything must not look on, down on those who don't. Okay? That's exactly what he just got done telling the Corinthians. So we're confirming he's saying the same thing to different people. So this is how Paul's teaching it, right? But he says in the same part, the next part of that verse, he says, And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Okay. So if you have a personal conviction about an issue, it's not our job to put it on anyone else, right? This is in the same way that my freedom... I don't know the life you lived. You don't know the life your brother lived. A personal conviction like this comes down between, just between you and the Lord. Between you and the Lord, that's it. So he's saying that if you have a personal conviction about not drinking, you can't put that on anyone else. Now, I think that there are a lot of people who believe and follow Jesus who have personal convictions. I think there are a lot of people, maybe in this room, who believe and follow Jesus and have personal convictions. But I also believe that they may not be a personal conviction it might be a religious conviction. It might be something that you are carrying from your childhood or someone once told you that this is what God wants, this is what God says, and in reality, he does not. Because why? Because Christ freed us from this idea of religion, this idea that I have to do something to make myself better. And so I say that not to say that your personal conviction isn't your personal conviction. I say maybe you just need to study. Uh, I know for my life, I grew up and went to a great church, uh, but in the church I grew up in, um, women did not preach on Sundays, and so I could not comprehend a woman preaching on Sunday. And I remember I was working here at Brentwood, and I found out that Tammy Dupin was going to be preaching on a Sunday. And I was like, about what? And it was, I was like, do I quit? Not show up? I didn't know how to deal with this. I was like, I thought, like, this is not an okay thing. This is what I've been told my whole life. So what did I do? Well, it was my way or the highway. I quit. I came back. No, I'm joking. I did not. My girlfriend and I, we met, and we decided, you know what? Let's search the scripture. We come to the thing that, that God's word says this, 
well, then we're going to have to leave, right? We're going to have to follow what we think our conviction or what we think Scripture says. But we studied God's word. We seek wise counsel. And we came to the conclusion that this was a religious conviction that we had been living with that we weren't even aware of. And we're still here today. And so if you have a religious conviction or a personal conviction, all I'm saying is just push into that a little bit. Just study God's word. Just know that are you following this religious uh, sect or these laws or are you following Jesus? Now, I'm not saying that you need to, to drop your personal convictions. Don't hear that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just speaking to uh, the fact that you may have a religious conviction. Uh, but why does this topic really matter? Why does it matter if I have freedom in Christ or you have conviction? Why do I care? Okay, love strengthens the church. But why does it really matter? Why is it something that we're spending a whole Sunday talking about? Uh, I really believe that this topic is what I call a church killer, okay? I believe that this can divide a church. This could literally shut Brentwood's church doors if we can't manage this tension correct. Churches have shut for uh, far less than who are you going to vote for. And Paul kind of ends his whole, his whole talk about this with a crescendo. He says uh, in 1031, so whether you eat or drink, whether you decide to get a tattoo or not, whether you decide to vote for Trump, vote for Hillary, or write in Pastor John, whatever you decide to do, do for the glory of God. Right? That's what it's all about. Because, yes, I love my brother. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's all about God. Church, we got to realize that this, is, this life is nothing about us. Somewhere we got caught up that it's my freedom, it's my conviction, it's all about me, and we're so wrong, it's all about God. It's all about bringing glory to our creator. And so uh, I think that I think that we just got, we got lost somewhere down, down the line. And so I, I came up with a little, it's a, well, we go to the next slide. And so I came up with this little thing of just like, how do I put this into practice? How do I, uh, how do I practically walk this through in a situation? I just think it'd be good for some of us to see this play out. And so say you're having a, a dinner party and a, a, some couples or families are coming over, right? And you're just going to have steaks or whatever. And you might have a few beers, a few, you know, a bottle of wine or whatever. What do you do? Because you don't necessarily, maybe you don't know one of the, the couples or the families very well. What do you do? Well, if it's your freedom, if, this, if you view this as your freedom, you respectfully ask, right? You just go to them. You just say, hey, this is what we're doing. I just want to make sure that you're okay with this because I don't, I don't, I don't really know you about this area. You don't, respect, you don't ask other people, right? That's wrong. Respectfully ask them. Because what that does is it starts this chain event where then the ball comes over here and allows someone with a conviction to respectfully decline, right? You're now giving the opportunity to say, you know what? No, I don't. I, I, I feel like this is wrong. I can't, I can't be around this. Because then it puts the ball back over here, and it, it's very simple. What do you do? You respectfully adjust, right? Because maybe this, is, this person just doesn't drink because they just don't drink, right? It's just a kind of personal preference. Kind of the night ends, but we're all the better for it. But maybe there is a real issue here, and so then what do we do? We respectfully abstain. Period. Right? It doesn't matter even if the person says, "Well, but you can drink. I just can't. I can't drink. Maybe my my father's an alcoholic. Whatever it was, you respectfully abstain uh, slash apologize. You might not even need to apologize uh, if both have managed this tension well. But what happens though if this dinner party, you know? turns into pulling tequila shots out, right? It went like zero to 100 real quick. You know, it's just out of control. And I'm over here like, I mean, I, I, like, I don't drink. Like, I can't be around alcohol. And now it's like, you're doing, you know, tequila shots. I'm just, 
I'm lost, right? Do you just flick the bird and walk out, you know, say, grab your son. Johnny, say goodbye to Tommy. You're never going to talk to that family again, right? Do we just end these relationship here? Well, I would say that if it's a tension, we both have something to do. So I would say that you, you respectfully caution. You go to your brother. You say, listen, here's what I'm going through. Here's what's happening. I'm going to let you know I, I need to leave. I'm going to respectfully leave. But I just want to caution you, one, to let you know that, that you kind of overstepped. And maybe I need to let you know that you're probably not walking in your freedom any longer. Right? Maybe you've crossed that line. And I, as a, a, a brother who loves you, just want to make you aware of that. Uh, and, and then the situation kind of ends. Now, is that something that you need to live and die by? No. But is that something that, that could change maybe the way we view relationship? Because I believe if we manage this tension well, if we manage it well, something amazing is going to happen, church. Amazing. Something that was going to divide us now unites us. Something that the enemy could use to divide us, to weaken us, unites us. And when we are united, church, especially over something that should divide us, now we gain this thing called impact. We now have a greater impact on this community, a greater impact on people's lives, because we're not going to let something as stupid as a little argument, a little disagreement, a little personal conviction defeat us and divide us so that we may reach more for the gospel of Jesus Christ, because church, that's the goal that we're all here today. That's why we're all here. But maybe you're in here today, and you're saying, Tyler, that's great. I got it. That's cool. That is definitely going to fix community group. That's a joke. Drinking a community group. Okay, uh, it's definitely gonna it's definitely gonna make things better, right? But what do I do about my friends who don't believe and follow Jesus? What do I do about my family members that have uh, that they drink, they cuss, whatever it is, and I can't be around that? I can't be around that. How do I fix them? Right? Maybe you you like to get on social media and you just you see the state of our country, you see the evil things happening, and you just have to speak out because 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 we know what's good, right? We have. Jesus, we see what's holy, but we think it's our job to go out and to say that, no, no, you're doing it wrong, right? We think that if, if gay people get married, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And when we get out there, when we, we, we just get on social media or whatever it is, and I think we have the right intentions. But here's what I want to tell you right now. You got to stop trying to fix people. You got to stop trying to fix people. Why? Because aren't you glad that nobody tried to fix you before you found Jesus? How about we stop trying to fix people, church, and we start leading people to Jesus and let him change people's lives, let his spirit work in people, and we see the gospel of Jesus Christ overtake our community and our world. That's exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. He goes on to say, that when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring other Jews to Christ. He continues and he says, when I am with the Gentiles who don't follow, sorry, who don't follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so that I can bring them to Christ. I don't ignore the law of God, but I obey the, the law of Christ. And he ends with, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. Why? Because I want to see more come to know Christ. Church, the only, the only thing we can do is to help others come to know Jesus. And so I, I, I just think some of you needed to hear that today. we got to stop trying to fix other people just because they're acting like they don't know Jesus. What do we expect? 
Now I want to shift over. I want, I want to talk to you in here who don't believe and follow Jesus. Thank you for tracking with me. Here's what I want to say to you, though. I want to ask for your forgiveness. I want to apologize if any believer has put a bad taste of what it means to believe and follow Jesus Christ by the way that we treat each other, by maybe even the way that we treated you. That's not right. And I'm so sorry from the deepest, deepest sincerity that that has happened. But you can't let someone else dictate your relationship with Jesus. None of us are promised another day. And when it comes to the end, all that matters is if you have a relationship with Jesus or not. And listen to me. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. It doesn't matter if you are straight or gay. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, rich or poor. It doesn't even matter if you like cats. There is common ground at the foot of the cross. Jesus Christ did not come to this earth to tell you what you've done wrong. He didn't come to this earth to say, this is what you have to do to get to know me. He came to this earth and said, I love you. The bottom line of today, my freedom, my neighbor's conviction, it doesn't matter. All that matters, all that matters is we're called to lay ourselves down and to live in love. That's all that matters on both sides. And for some of you in here, you need to realize that Jesus Christ laid his own life down for you. And he lived in love just to save you. Thanks so much for listening today. We believe that everyone has a next step towards Jesus, and we'd love to help you take yours. Email us at hello at brentwoodchurch.org or visit our website, brentwoodchurch.org slash next steps. Until next time, go change the world.